Hello and welcome back to The Next Act. I'm your host, Keaton Hall, and this is the first solo episode unofficially brought to you by Saturday Morning Cartoons. My personal favorite was Tom and Jerry, but if you grew up in the early 2000s, you were blessed with a golden era of childhood shows. One of the goals of this podcast is to explore how people use lessons they learned in their first act and apply them to finding or actually in their next act. Since this is the first solo pod, let me explain how I hope to structure them. Each will have a topic slash lesson that I learned in my 15 plus years as an athlete growing up. I'll give a personal story of how I experienced that in my first act and what I do now to make sure that I don't forget and continue to use those lessons as I try and find my next act. So to kick off the Han Solo episodes, I want to pose a question that I was faced with when I came to the end of my playing career. What happens when you fail and there is no next time? Many times when we fail or make a mistake, there's another opportunity to get it right next time. For example, as an athlete, if you lose a game, there's always the next one. As a student, if you fail a test, then there's always the next one. As a professional, if you don't get that promotion this time, then there's always the next round of promotions to go get it. And if we're not careful, I've learned that the thought of next time can make us somewhat complacent because we have time, quote unquote, And we don't have to do anything right now to better ourselves because we do have time later to go and improve ourselves. A quick example of how I had tried to avoid this type of complacency in my first act relates to watching game film. I first started watching highlights, you could say game film, uh, when I was in seventh grade. And my mom would video some of the plays on her camera and then the next morning I would go and look at the good ones that I knew that I did well, and then I would kind of skip the bad ones where I knew I made a mistake or something bad happened. Uh, Then I, as time went on and games kept going, I realized that I was making some of the same mistakes over and over again. Once I realized this, I knew I had to shift from only watching the good stuff that made me feel good to studying the parts where I had failed and made mistakes in order to improve on them for the next time I was in those situations. By assessing the failures and pinpointing why they happened, it allowed me to adjust and prepare at the root of that problem so I could be better in those situations next time. This approach allowed me to handle some very rough film sessions when I got to college because then it wasn't only me pointing out the mistakes that I made, it was a room full of coaches and teammates that were there seeing all the mistakes that you make and making sure you know about it. So you don't make the same mistake next time. Whether or not I felt the criticism was warranted didn't really matter because at the end of the day, I knew what I did wrong and how I could fix it. And that helped me and my team moving forward because we had another opportunity to go and be better. But I ask again, what happens when you fail and there is no next time to try and get it right? Let me give some uh, background to set the stage for how I answered that question when it came time. In the Hall household growing up, March is one of the best times ever. I'd like to say it was because of my sister's and I's birthday, but it was mainly because that was when our days became full of watching the NCAA tournament, aka March Madness. As years went by, it became a dream of mine to actually play in that tournament, and it was constantly on my mind whenever I would go out to the driveway to shoot, whenever I would go to practice whenever I'd go early in the morning to get a workout in, whenever I'd stay late at night to get more shots up. It was was literally always on my mind. And that was like the driving factor for why 
I worked so hard the majority of the time. And when I came to the decision to go to college to play ball, it was at the Division three level. So obviously that changed a little bit. I knew it wasn't going to be on TV playing in front of the thousands and thousands and millions of people that I wanted to growing up. But it was still the NCAA tournament, so the dream still stayed the same. Around the time I got to college, Dr. Eric Thomas, I heard him say, you have to take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime within the lifetime of that opportunity. So I knew you get four years in college, five if something happens, to go and make that a reality for your playing career. So I knew I had to go. I knew that window was short and it was go time. So I wanna take you through the kind of year by year progression of how my college career went and how I tried to go after that dream. Freshman year, in between my senior year of high school and freshman year of college, obviously every every freshman goes in, they wanna set the set the season on fire. They want freshman of the year, they wanna be the star player, they wanna be the guy that comes and changes the program and turns things around. So obviously that was my mindset going in and then the season came and I played a total of 11 minutes. If our conference gave out awards for best scout team players, I'm sure I would have been on that, but we did not make the NCAA tournament because we lost on a buzzer beater in our conference tournament, which so we didn't get an automatic bid into the tournament. But we had next year, right? And so the goal stayed the same. My sophomore year, I worked out all summer with my boy Brock, and then I had worked my way into the rotation during preseason practice. And then before our first game happened, I dislocated my shoulder and tore the labrum there. And so I had surgery and I missed all the season rehabbing and trying to get back better. And we made it to the conference tournament again, but we did not win that conference tournament, so we didn't get to the NCAA tournament. So it was all good. Two years in, but there's always next year, so the goal of making it to the NCAA tournament stayed the same. My junior year, after rehabbing for an entire season and off-season, I had again worked my way into the six-man kind of rotation spot during preseason, and then once games came... I had no consistent role. I was thrown in sporadically throughout games, and then I, was, I wasn't given any more minutes even when I did play well. So that one, that was a weird year. And this time we didn't even make the conference tournament as a team, so there was no NCAA tournament on the table for us. But again, there's, there's next year. There's next time. So the goal stayed the same going into the offseason. My senior year, I had worked my way into a starting spot as a captain, and that was great for me, but as a team, we, we didn't make the conference tournament. So again, there was no NCAA tournament bid. Now there is next year still, but there's only one left. So this is, it's really time to go. It's time to make things happen. And so my fifth year, I was on a trip to Cedar Point in Ohio with my best friend, Nick from back home my sister Cora and her one of her friends. And I get an email from our athletic director saying that our head coach had stepped down. Now this was two days before we stepped back onto campus and for a division three team who is trying to turn things around and hit the ground running as we get into this regular season, the preseason is one of the most critical parts of the year simply because that's when you get your body right as a team so you can get ready for the conditioning and the grind of the season physically 
this is a time when the new guys are coming in. It's time for them to build chemistry with the returners. It's time to build, continue to build the good relationships with the coaches. And it's, it's a really critical time if you're trying to hit the ground running and start winning games right from the jump. So not only did we not have a head coach, but we had 20 plus new guys, which consisted of freshmen coming in and transfers that also came in. And the first meeting that we had as players, there was 42 guys on the roster, technically, uh, which for a basketball team is an absolutely absurd amount. And naturally, we've talked about, I've talked about this with uh, Sami, my roommate, but these, these guys just constantly just, you start the year with a lot more than you actually make it to the season and then through the end of the season. But, so this was another thing to juggle, let alone having to run workouts, preseason conditioning, all the lifts, all of the on-court stuff, all the training, and we get to a week before the official start of practice and we have hire a head coach, which was great. And this naturally presented some more challenges, which included a new coaching style, a new system to get used to, uh, new relationships to build, and just trying to learn each other so that we could coexist and go forward in the best way possible. And we had four weeks to do it before our first game happened. So another big curveball on the plate there. And all of this is building up to one last run to try and accomplish this lifelong dream that I had and all my teammates had as well. So as a new head coach and new team get used to each other, we have some really good wins, but we also have some losses that can be attributed to some growing pains, which naturally happen. But all that aside, we are in a position to get into the tournament with three or four games left if we can win out and beat these teams that we have left on our schedule. So February 19th of 2020 rolls around and we go to our rival Anderson, Indiana, and we lose that game. And that loss officially eliminates us from the conference tournament, which effectively eliminates us from any bid to the NCAA tournament. So the lifetime of that opportunity to achieve that dream was now closed, it was now gone. And I had been on teams where we didn't reach our season goals before, but this, this time it felt different because there was a sense of finality that I had never experienced before. And it didn't help that the three weeks of games leading up to this point, I'd been in the worst drought of my entire life. Like I couldn't, I couldn't make a shot to save my life. And it was nothing, I would be in the gym more trying to fix this. And it's just one of those things where the ball just wasn't going in the net. And it was, it, it not only was really frustrating, but it just added to this sense of responsibility that I had let our teammates down. And I'd let myself down in terms of not achieving this goal I'd had since I was like eight years old. So I was faced with a question that I never had really had to ask myself before. And that was, how does one handle the realization that they have spent years and years and literally thousands and thousands of hours going after a lifelong dream and still not achieving it? And at that point, I I didn't have an answer for myself. And obviously, that was a really hard pill to swallow. And then it, it took some time to try and fix that in my mind. Because 
like I said, there's literally years and years and thousands and thousands of hours that I was just felt just all on my shoulders. Like I'd, there, I hadn't achieved it. And that was something that I'd always believed growing up. The phrase hard work, hard work pays off was something that I had implemented into my identity because it was just some, it was the way that I was raised. It was the way that I had seen success up to that point. But at, at that moment, it felt like a phrase of empty words almost because all the work hadn't seemed to paid off when I needed it to the most. So there was a fact of life that I had to kind of come to grips with if I knew I wanted to move forward with my life. And that was there are times where you'll do everything in your power to work as hard as you can, put yourself in the best position to succeed as possible and things still won't go your way. Sometimes it's just not in the cards. And realizations like this are painful, obviously, but it's important that we recognize these situations because there are two, there's two ways we can go from that point. The one way is to allow it to linger, all that pain and frustration, and have a negative effect on us and our mindset going forward. Or we can use that pain and frustration to make assessments of why things happened the way they did, how things could be done better in the next time we're in those situations, and they can just fuel our actions to a better future. Now, it's it's obviously easy to say that, and it sounds good, but uh, what did it look like for me as I moved forward? One of my favorite speakers, Inky Johnson, said that your perspective changes when you realize life happens for you, it does not happen to you. Now, this was a wake-up call to get out of my feelings, take a step back, and shift my perspective on the events of failure that I had just experienced. My initial perspective was that all the years and years of hard work that I had put toward my goals and dreams were wasted since I didn't achieve what I thought was the victorious finish line of getting to the NCAA tournament and achieving all those other individual and team goals that I had. My shifted perspective was to redefine the terms of what success actually looked like and was in the lifetime of my uh, career as a student athlete. I was only evaluating my success initially on the destination goals that I had not reached, which was a disservice to the absolute journey that my career was. All the relationships, the experiences and memories I had forever in mind all because of basketball made it a lot easier to see the lessons that would stay with me as I moved on to life after hoop. If I had allowed my initial perspective of this is a huge failure to fester and linger in my mental space, then those thoughts could have become destructive and had a major negative impact on how I moved on to my next act. Because since basketball was such a huge part of my identity, if I viewed such a large piece of me as a failure, then how is that going to affect how I move forward and try and find success after that. Instead, I chose to use this pain to shift perspectives and learn from what I could have done better so that I can improve myself and be better in the next time those situations arise. Obviously, it's not going to be in a basketball sense, but the parallels between athletics and then situations in life, like you can find them. And that happens with every first act. You can take situations and the principles from those situations and use them in other areas of your life. Now, redefining my perspective on my career didn't mean I didn't acknowledge all of the goals that I'd fallen short of. On the contrary, by recognizing that I'd fallen short of those goals 
while knowing that I hadn't left anything on the table in terms of how I prepared, how I approached the game that I loved, and how hard I worked, and all the sacrifices I made in order to make those things happen, it gave a level of closure that I don't think would have come if I had been in denial of that aspect of things. Now, am I perfect in handling every failure or setback that comes my way just because I had to learn a hard lesson here and there? Absolutely not. That's something that you have to continually work on, and I'm still continually working on as I try and find and move toward my next act. Now, some of the most difficult situations to have these perspective shifts are in situations where we have little to no control, and that's because we don't have much control over the situation, and we can feel powerless sometimes. But our perspective in these moments will determine our thoughts about if we have the power to affect the near and distant future. And these thoughts will create our actions, which will either keep us powerless or will help us find and act on solutions that can help us. Is it hard to maintain this mindset in the face of adversity? Definitely. Is it easy to go with the flow and just let things happen? Absolutely. However, if you are not actively trying to make your life better, you're passively just letting it be made for you. And that's something that I did not want to happen to me. Pastor and author Mark Batterson once said, the leading cause of failure is mismanaged success, and the leading cause of success is well-managed failure. Now, while we can rarely control what happens to us, we can control how we respond to these situations and how we move forward with those. But ultimately, it doesn't matter what I have to say. It matters what you want to do. So that's how I came to the end of my first act and how I was kind of in that headspace going forward into that period between my first and next acts as I'm still trying to find my next act. But I hope you enjoyed hearing about it. I hope you maybe were able to take something from it. If not, then that's fine. But if you were, that's fantastic. And I appreciate you listening this far. It's been fun to have these first few episodes and hear people's perspectives and stories on things that we all can hopefully relate to in one way or another. But until the next one, Let's make sure the best is still yet to come.